You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. If you want to have guarantees, you have to buy a washing machine. Either we win or we learn, and today we learn. Abdacha, Austin, Shabakizadi! It's in field to Mane, 25 yards out. Lovely ball for Pella. Onside, 1 0! Blue fast shot! Oh my word! It's unbelievable. He ran around a bit like Bambi on ice. It was very, very embarrassing to watch. And now, your host, Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast and newsletter dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans, available right here on SouthamptonDelivery.com. My name is Matt Markson. I am the host of the show. And no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thanks for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it. And uh, I'm enjoying my day mostly because I'm joined by uh, a guest to help us introduce this week's show. So, um, Will Daw of the Saints Archive, welcome back to the show and thanks again for joining me. Yeah, excellent. I'm glad to enjoy it. Um, a bit different to the last time we had a chat. Um, it's pitch black here at night time and uh, I think you're in um, sort of uh, workplace California, aren't you? I am. I am. Um, I've, I've, I've closed the windows though. Uh, so nobody knows that I'm, I'm actually technically on my lunch, so we're fine, but, uh, I didn't need anybody to see me sitting here on, on a, on a Skype call because it's definitely, it looks a little bit different than the zoom call that we use for school. So anyway, um, but, but all good here. The weather's, weather's good. Um, I just, I should say quite a few people reached out over the weekend, uh, to say either happy birthday. So thank you to you and, or two to check in on us because of the, uh, the fires that are going on. But just so everybody knows we are, we are safe. There's, there's no fire near us. The only thing that's near us is smoke and it's clearing up. So as long as everybody stays, uh, as long as all that continues, we'll be, we'll be all good. Um, but yeah, I mean, everything, everything's going all right here, but everything going well with you? Yeah, yeah, it's all been good. Um, the weekend, uh, um, sort of a decent weather here. There, went to the pub with a few friends. Um, so which is nice, even though you have to socially distance. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, what's it like to be back in, in a pub? Is that the the first time you've been out since uh, lockdown? Uh, it's the second time back at my local pub. A few of my army mates sort of uh, uh, took um, my advice about getting out the house for a bit and going actually starting to do normal things. Um, and to be fair, once after a few pints, everyone sort of throws the social distance two meter distance in out the window and everyone's just together and shaking hands and breaking every rule the government are trying to tell us not to do at the moment. And, you know, to be fair, I'd, I'd like to think that life sort of not returning back to a sense of normality, even if it just is a bit slow at the moment. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's difficult because we, we're struggling with the same thing over here where it's a lot of people have just gone full everything's fine. Even though we don't have, we don't have pubs or anything open yet. It's just restaurants and you got to sit outdoors, but, um, it's really hard to, to find the line. And I, you know, we have to wear masks all day at work and all for that. And so I just, I don't know, it's a, it's a whole, it's a whole weird thing, but it is nice to see people you haven't been able to see for a, a long time though. That is, it is, and that is the good part because we miss that part of it. And, uh, I, I guess part of that is, is, is why the, the fixtures coming out and us having something to look forward to, uh, maybe for, you know, being able to see everybody in 
uh, in the normal kind of uh, circumstances and in, in the normal uh, I guess stadiums and everything else that, that we might uh, actually be looking forward to that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think from the vibes of the Premier League and a lot of the clubs and UK government's advice as well that stadiums, I believe, are going down the sort of approach of having it sort of half-filled maybe, uh, social distance, no away supporters for the first three or four games maybe, just to get a vibe of how it can be managed and how things can slowly be brought back in. But, you know, we're all kind of in it together in this respect. So I have a season ticket, um, but moving into the season, I may not be able to go to the first couple of games because I might not be successful in the ballot. Mm-hmm. But the club offered the uh, money back that's lost on any game that they decide that you, you can't go to because they've chosen someone else. And it's people's health at the end of the day comes first. Um, as much as we both love football and everybody loves everything so associated about the Saints, you know, getting people back to a football match uh, as opposed to people's health isn't isn't really a priority. It's, you know, people first on this one. And Southampton will still be supported regardless of where we are in the world or what we're doing or if we're in the stadium or not. So, I mean... Yeah, I'd like to be back with 30-odd thousand fellow supporters. And, you know, but we've got to take these things sort of easily uh, easily and softly. So, um, no, I'm just, I'm just, if you look at it positively, we're going in the right direction now. We're, we're not thinking about locking down everything again. We're actually talking about getting things up and running again. And, you know, that's, that's what we've got to think positively about. Yeah, absolutely. And now you mentioned your season ticket holder. So there are some, some matches coming up. There won't be any away support initially. Uh, so I guess that game at Palace, we'll just have to watch James Ward-Prowse uh, shove Zaha in his pocket uh, from a distance. Um, but then then Spurs to open the season at home uh, just a week later. Um, I mean, is that... There, there seems to be something there with Spurs developing over the last couple of seasons where the matches tend to be good. The, um, you know, the, the, it, the, the game seemed to be somewhat intense. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I think that's a pretty decent uh, couple of, of opening fixtures, especially, uh, you know, ha- the, the history we have with Palace over, over recent history as well. Oh, yeah, completely. I mean, the uh, whole uh, Zaha uh, thing is between him and Ward-Prowse. It's been ongoing and bubbling for a little while. And, you know, it's we're always kind of like thinking, well, is it going to happen again this season? Um, and to be fair, I think uh, Ward-Prowse has been living in Zaha's head uh, rent-free for the last two seasons. Um, because he's got to him. He really has got to him. He's wound him up. Um, as for the Spurs game, uh, it was at, that, uh, I think, the game on New Year's Day against Tottenham, which we won. And, mm-hmm. yet, and there was a little bit of like animosity towards Deli Alley in that one because he spent a good portion of the game just diving all over our penalty area uh, yeah. and rolling around and cheating like crazy. And, um, where we were sat in the chapel end of that particular game, um, he came up for a fair amount of... Um, Verbal pleasantries, may I put it, for his conduct and Saint supporters. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's the atmosphere on both those games because of those sort of uh, incidents between, say, Zaha and Dali Ali. Certainly had a bit of spice to the game. And, you know, and to go straight into a season with those two games, I, I, I'm looking forward to it. And the London teams as well. So it's always sure. nice to turn them up. And, uh, and just to keep things consistent, we do have Burnley in the first month of the season. So uh, I'm just glad we didn't open away there again uh, or even against them. Uh, at least we have some, some excitement before we have to settle in for uh, 90 minutes of, of them going long and us not dealing with it. Um, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, and then I just, just kind of glancing through, I mean, I remember last season there were a couple of, of really tough runs 
looking at looking at the fixtures and and this season uh, you know just kind of looking through it we have West Brom at the beginning of October there's a, a promoted team we'll wonder if Charlie Austin is around uh, he could he could return to uh to, to St. Mary's there um I think we have Fulham in December um and and I I don't know I mean were there any other matches we don't we don't I don't think we play Leeds until until into January so are there anything else that, that any matches that you're really looking forward to to having at home um I don't know. After the last couple of seasons of, um, I would say not particularly so much this season, but but the bad start to the season we had this year, and maybe the Mark Hughes tenure, the season before before Ralph took over, I'm reluctant to look forward to starts of seasons or any kind of run of games because you never know with Saints right. because you could predict and say sort of like, oh yeah, that run of games there, we'll breeze that, but then or, or that'd be difficult. But this is Southampton with they do like to be totally unpredictable and 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 i think really put you through things so um you know no game's an easy game in the premier league and any wins or a draw is is a decent result regardless so um i don't know i'm keeping my cards close to my chest on that i think <laughs> all right yeah i think that's fair uh we do have a kind of a weird trip in february we have united on a tuesday night and then uh newcastle away on saturday so that that's a that's a, a couple of long trips for supporters there if uh, we're able to go to games by by that point, which we'll just we'll just hope. Um, and then I, I just looked to the very end of the season, ending against West Ham away. Um, I have very bad memories of that place uh, from the three nil we we lost there um, at the only game I've ever actually attended in person. But um, that's we'll 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 stick to the positives uh, for now. And um, the real reason I, I have you on is is this week we are replaying uh, the first ever player interview. Uh, that you did with, in association with uh, Total Saints podcast as Total Recall. And I just wanted to kind of ask you a couple of questions just about it. Um, and, and and I guess we'll just start with, you know, what was it like trying to get Jim McCallieog onto the show? What was the, uh, you know, what was the process for for finding him? And, and we mentioned last time we talked that he's quite active in the uh, in the in the Saints archive and in the Facebook group, and he enjoys enjoys having a chat. So, was it at all difficult to get him on the show? No, not at all. He was when we started over two and a half years ago. He was I don't know for certain, but I think I always felt he was one of the first former Saints to join the group and interact. And I think he hit the ground running with us. So I just sort of pinged him a message and sort of said, "Look, Jim, do you fancy doing a podcast with us?" And I explained it's kind of like a radio interview, but over the internet. And he was on board straight away. He, he just he was really keen to talk about not just his Southampton career, but you know, talk about his international games that he's had, talk about maybe his time with Wolves. So, but it, I mean, obviously, the core of the interview was with Jim and his Southampton career, and particularly that FA Cup final in '76 and what it kind of meant to him and what it felt. Um, but he's easy going. He he's just he's just one of the lads. He just likes he got on board. He chatted away. I could have spoke to him for hours. To be fair, uh, he was that really relatable and uh, they're a real pleasure to talk to. Yeah. And, and so you, you do the interview that people are going to hear in just a second. Um, it's you and Leon, correct? It was uh, me, Leon and Ben from TSP. Uh, we got Leon on because uh, me and Ben were too young to have been alive for the cup final. So he needed someone that could have uh, thrown in their own memories. Yeah. And so uh, Leon was actually there that day. And so he's got, uh, he, he takes the first kind of couple of questions and you can, I mean, there. I mean, we've all watched the game. We've all seen the goal. We've all heard the call. Um, you know, probably thousands of times. But uh, 
to have somebody who was actually there and get to relive that, um, it, it just listening back through it, it, it even sounds just listening to him, uh, talk about it. It sounds special because it's, it's that, I mean, to all of us that the 76 cup final sticks out as, as one of those, that the, of the, as the moment almost. And for, for a supporter to be there and then be able to talk to the guy who played the pass, uh, that led to the goal that, that won the game. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty big kind of couple of moments. And, and Ben does point out as he comes in to ask a question that, uh, you know, nobody had asked about it yet, but he wanted to ask about the past. So it's, it is nice that we, it, there is chat of that in there. Um, but, and, and I guess one of the things that, that would also stick out to me is, is this is a, this is a well-established kind of professional player at the time that he comes to Southampton. And, you know, you, you kind of wonder what makes, what drew him in. And, and it was the, the team that was around, at the time that, uh, that kind of drew him in. And so people will hear that, hear that as well. Um, so I, I just wanted to ask you again, when you had him on, what, what were you feeling like right before, you know, you got him on the phone? You, you were, were there a lot of nerves for you or was it, was it, did Ben have more? Or what, what was the, what was going on there? Well, if Ben had nerves, he certainly keeps him, um, keeps him well composed, uh, um, position on himself. He, I mean, I know in other interviews that we've done with other players, he, he has said to me, oh, no, I'm really quite nervous about this one. But I, I think he probably remained a lot more confident with Jim that it was going to be a good one. I, I had nerves because, to be fair, I had nervous with a lot of the interviews. This one in particular, it was the first time we had really run with the player interview. And, you know, you're, you're essentially talking to a club legend, um, somebody that a very few people for Southampton Football Club can say that they want a, a domestic honour for the club and literally our only major domestic honor um as well and have you know and to have that go down in folklore at the club like that and to be talking to somebody that was key and instrumental in making that that actual goal with by bobby stokes you know it was our last that was essentially before we uh the, you know we start recording it's it's a we don't get won't get a chance to talk to bobby about the goal because unfortunately as we all know uh, god bless him he passed on a few years back so talking to Jim allows us to have that dip into history as one of the key people in that making of the goal. And, you know, it's, he goes into other stuff as well about, you know, uh, the United fans giving him a bit of grief because he was a former United player and, he, you know, and then he'd gone to Southampton and then beaten Manchester United as former club with, the, you know, with Southampton, a lower league team that they were never expected by the bookmakers to, to, to get a result there. And, um, yeah, I don't know, it's, it's odd. It's, you, I've probably worried myself all day long, to be fair, about, oh, I'm, I'm going to talk to a club legend tonight. I'm going to talk to a club legend tonight. And I've worked myself up probably too much. But then as soon as they started talking, it's like, oh, what am I worrying about? It's like talking to, you know, Jim I met down the pub or Jim who worked in the local store. He, he, he put everyone at ease really quick with the, just the, before we start recording, sort of, oh, yeah, boys, I really appreciate coming on talking about this. Um, I really appreciate your time for bringing me along. And he was, if anything, more appreciative and respectful of the fact that we'd put it together rather than us, I suppose, you know, in awe of this guy. Because, as I keep saying, he's part of a generation of people that, for him, he, he played football for the love, not for the money. Um, yeah. And, um, I mean, he owns a bed and breakfast up in Scotland now. And, um, you know, he's he's got a good following by Wolves supporters in particular. So it's not just us that keep him close to heart. It's and other, other teams as well. But to us, he'll, he'll always be that 
that legend, that one of the one of the, the seventy six boys that you know that brought the silverware home against all the odds as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so people will hear that uh, just just kind of momentarily, and and I just wanted to to say again to you to thank you to you and to Ben. Uh, and to Leon for, for putting the work in and, and, and building these interviews up and, and getting them done. And if people haven't heard them yet, uh, this is your chance to, to kind of be introduced to hopefully what we'll be doing more of uh, going forward from, from here. But before we get into the actual interview, you had a couple of pieces of kind of Saints history. You've been doing the kind of on this day in Saints history, you've been putting it out on, on Instagram and all over social media and in the, in the archive group. So, uh, and, and I think you had a couple, uh, if you wouldn't mind kind of going through them now, uh, that might fit as people go through their week. Yeah. Yeah. By all means. I mean, I've got a couple, uh, that I've picked out. I mean, obviously you're going out live with this, uh, tomorrow, aren't you? Which is the 25th. Yeah. So yeah. I, cool. So I found one, uh, it's actually, I've stolen them out of a, a book. So by Graham Healy, uh, so I hope he's cool with that. You can buy his book still on Amazon. But it's uh, Saints on This Day, History Facts and Figures from Every Day of the Year. And I kind of use it as my Bible just to check back in, see what happened. You know, it's an, an interesting like the little uh, uh, small paragraphs of information. So on the 25th of August 2001, which incidentally was a Saturday, a uh, long-awaited first league game at Saints' new stadium through something of an anticlimax. Stuart Gray's side were well beaten by Chelsea, he won 2 0 with goals by Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank and Mario Stanich in front of 31,107 fans. So that's a little bit of info. Um, I've also got Saturday, 26th of August, so a little on later on in the week for our listeners, um, in 1922. So Saints made their bow in Division 2 and immediately got a taste of the problems of playing in a non regionalised division for the first time. Their opening fixture was away to North East Side South Shields. And the train journey there took 20 hours and all for a nil-nil draw. So you can imagine nowadays if you took a 20-hour journey to go and watch an away match and it finished nil-nil, you'd be pretty peeved with that. <laughs> I'm trying to think about how many hours it took me to travel to West Ham and it was, it was fewer than that and I was still pretty peeved, but uh, that's, that's okay. What did you do, travel from the States over to, what, London and then sort of do it that way or did you do a bit of uh, other bits of traveling in the meantime? No, no, we went, we went straight from LA to, to London and then to the hotel. And then it seemed like about 47 minutes between the time I got to go to sleep that night and Freddie was at the door waiting for me in the morning. Um, so it, it, it was, uh, but I want to say that the flight was like 11 hours. So not, not that bad. And then in about an hour on the train, well, cause we went to, we went to Gatwick. We didn't go to Heathrow, but that's just cause it was cheaper. And it's also why we flew overnight, but that's okay. Uh, if, if we bring that up around my wife, she'll, she'll let you know how she feels. Yeah. Um, well, you would have coped well in 1922. Then with a 20 hour train journey, you would have been like, oh, I'll just go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, th- it is always interesting to get those little tidbits of, of, of history. And I know that, uh, if people like that stuff that you, uh, oftentimes put out similar, kind of uh, things on, on Instagram and, and Twitter and in, and in the Facebook group. So people can come in and, and check that out if they want to go. Uh, and they can head over to the website with everything that is in uh, the show notes for all the links that you, that you need to, to get there. So um, I think, I think at this point we should, we should let the people get on with the, with the interview and, and Will, I just want to say thanks again. It's been a pleasure to, to work with you so far and I look forward to doing it more in the future. Yeah. Um, I have started um, getting the feelers out for the players that we haven't already interviewed already. So moving forward, you know, you've got the Jim McCallyorg episode, which is kind of a, a preview if you've not already heard it before, of what the sort of stuff we can do. Uh, and then hopefully in the next upcoming weeks, we'll be able to announce uh, sort of episodes or recalls with former players that we have got on board. So, uh, 
yeah, stay tuned. I mean, it's a good times ahead. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Will, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Hi, Jim. We've obviously got a few questions for you tonight, and we really do appreciate you joining us for this uh, podcast. I do believe Leon wants to go first on this one, so uh, Leon, crack away. Thanks, Will. Good evening, Jim. Good evening, Leon. Great to have you on, and everybody appreciates that. Yeah, it's a thrill to be on. Um, I've been looking forward to it. A first question then, Jim. Tell me the story of how it came about when you signed for Saints. I had fallen out with the assistant manager at um, Manchester United. There was a little problem uh, with him and it, it kind of escalated and um, Tommy Doherty made a decision that uh, maybe in the best interest of the, the club that I, I would leave. Um, so that was how, how, how it came about. I, I was playing well at the club, but uh, settled in really well. It was disappointing, but to come to the Saints and to play with Mick Shannon and, and Peter Osgood and all the other boys, well, it wasn't too big a disappointment. And, uh, I, I, of course, I, I love my time at the Saints. So, you know, life was good, really. I've got a few questions, um, Jim, from some of our followers on both Facebook and Twitter. Um, yes. Let's go with Marlon on Twitter. What made you want to join the Saints? What wanted me to join the Saints really was to play with Mickey and, and play with um, with Peter Osgood. Peter, I had played with Peter as a young boy, a young professional at Chelsea. Um, Peter was a great lad, great footballer, um, and, and I was looking forward to to, to playing again with Peter. Uh, and of course, Mickey was um, the England forward then. And uh, he was probably the first choice that, that, that was coming out of the heart, really, for forward positions. And, and having played against Mickey, I, I was certainly looking forward to knocking a few balls through for him. Fantastic, fantastic. I mean, there's some big names there that you, you mentioned. And just looking back on the footage, obviously, through Saints Archive and what we've done, and you playing a big part in it as well, particularly for uh, fans of my age group, you, you build on a bigger picture and a bigger story of the club. And... Having you interact with the with our members and you know talk about the good times and even the bad times occasionally, it certainly adds a real interactive feel uh, to the club we support. So uh, thank you. But uh, I do have a couple more questions from some of our Twitter users. Go ahead. Yeah, we got uh, Doug McClellan. Uh, he has asked a really good question actually. He said, "From which players in the current Saints side would you have liked to have played alongside?" Uh, I watched the Saints uh, uh, a little while ago. And I was quite impressed by uh, Nathan Redmond when they moved him to more of a central role. It, it didn't restrict him to being down the line uh, alone. Uh, I think he's a very quick player and, he, and he's also got two good feet. And I think, uh, you know, ho- hopefully they will keep him down the middle because, you know, he's very pacey. And defenders don't like pacey forwards. They're, they're always trying to go back a yard or whatever. But with somebody like Redmond, uh, it'd be difficult to mark. Looking at some of the other, uh, some of the other players there, they, they weren't doing so well at the particular time. I, I seen them. Uh, obviously, the manager has changed since then. Um, it, it looked to me like they were dreading playing at St Mary's. Um, I, I think the confidence was low, so it's always difficult 
to play when your confidence is low and, and unless you've got great characters in the team who can, can lift some of the boys in the dressing room besides uh, playing their own game and, and keeping on top of the, their own game. But I think that's what's lacking a bit at Southampton, that they, they perhaps need a leader. There's nobody there that seems to me that's, that's leading. And and I, I think maybe if he could get a couple of leaders in, maybe one in the middle of the park and maybe a defender, uh, I think that would be a, a big plus for the Saints. Yeah, I love Redmond. I think he's a brilliant player. I think sometimes unfair criticism for some of his performances. He certainly, I think, improved a lot this season uh, under Ralph. Yeah, I think... I think when you're a forward, you will always be coming under criticism because when you're a forward, either a midfield player or, or, a, or a striker or a wide player, you, you're having to try and create things. Whereas defenders, obviously, a lot of their game is, is to stop you playing. So they're facing the ball most of the time. So as a, a forward, either a midfield player or a striker, you, you have to be trying to accept the ball on the turn and, and different skills come into it. So it's always that bit more difficult to be a, a forward player, I think. Yeah. Um, I've got one final question from one of our Facebook users before uh, Leon and uh, Ben have their say. But um, uh, Paul Warner uh, wants to ask, it uh, looked like you were getting some stick from Man United fans on the lap of honour in the 76 final. All he wants to know is, is, can you remember what they were saying? I'm supposed not all of it was clean. I, to be honest, I couldn't care less. I wasn't, <laughs> uh, I wasn't particularly interested in what they were thinking. The, the, the main thing was on the, the Friday before the game, I, I told you I, I left Manchester United because of uh, a problem with the assistant manager. But I recall him on the Friday afternoon when we were already at Wembley, the Saints team, and Man U came in, and he come over straight away. I was talking to Stuart Pearson and some of the Man U lads who I knew very well, and he started saying to me, oh, Jimmy Mack, you should be playing for us tomorrow. And, and that was on the Friday, and I looked at him and I says, Cav, I says, I don't want to play for you tomorrow because we're going to beat you. I says, and, and that's it. And then he, he started ranting and raving, but that kind of set everything up for me. So anything that might happen after the game, you, you know, it's neither here nor there because the cup was already won. We deserved it. You know, we were under the cosh for the first 20 minutes, but generally speaking, we, we had control of the game. And uh, I don't remember their midfield player plus the, the two wingers getting a kick of the ball. So, no, I, I, it was a fabulous time. It was great for, for somebody like Mick and, and Huey Fisher and some of the other guys that had, had been at the club and, and seen what had happened down through the years to actually be there and uh, and, and win a trophy. I, I think that was fabulous. So anything that Man United said uh, at that particular time, I wouldn't be listening to. I'd just be enjoying myself for the boys. Paul's going to uh, particularly like that answer, and I know a few of the archive members and Total Saints podcast uh, listeners will like as well. Of course, on that day, Saints were five to one, wasn't they, to to win the cup? Um, just a couple of questions here. I've got one from Martin BT, and also the same question from Kevin Marshall from Saints Archive. Just want to talk about the free kick against Bradford in the quarterfinal, Jim, and they're asking, was that free kick rehearsed, or was it just off the cuff thing at the time? 
No, it wasn't rehearsed. Um, when when we got the free kick, I, I'd always liked to be involved with free kicks and penalty kicks and dead ball situations and corner kicks. And in fact, I, I think if you could take a corner at the Dell um, and, and, and place it accurately, which quite a lot of the times I, I used to take the corners, um, I, I think that was um, quite a feat, really, because it was a funny little area where you, you took the... You know, you took the corner kicks at the Dell. But as regards the, the, the free kick, we, we were stood over the ball, me and Oz, and, and all I said to Oz was, I said, Oz, just lift it up in the air, but lift it forward. And as Peter looked at me as if to think, well, you know what? So I said, just lift it up. And he, <laughs> he lifted it up, and of course, there was no way the defender, they usually have a charger in the defender to try and block something like that, but there was no way he could get me really because once once it was up in the air and I'd positioned myself, it was over the wall and in the back of the net. The, go, the goalkeeper never moved. And it's quite an easy free kick. Um, I know there was controversy about it, but to my way of thinking, and I, I've tried to be as objective as I, as I can, the ball certainly went forward. As long as it goes forward, a circumference of the ball, back then, that was the rules. But I believe they've, they, they, they maybe uh, tried to change the rules a bit after that. But it certainly wasn't against the rules. And uh, it, it was a lovely moment for myself. And I don't know what the hell I did, but I went to the right-hand side and I, I did a bit of a, a <laughs> I don't know, I think it was a week, I clicked my heels together. But it was a fabulous moment. And, uh, you know, we were, we were going further along the road than to the cup final. Another quick question here from Tim Hill on Saints Argyle. Was there a point um, at any time in the competition that you thought you would go all the way to Wembley, Jim? Yes, definitely. The, the semi-final draw, we were in the dressing room and uh, the, the, the Dell dressing room then, you know, so, as long as we kept Laurie out, there was a better room. But if, if <laughs> Laurie came in, there was no room. He was such a big guy and... And we were all sat there and we had the, the press was there and, and we had the obligatory uh, radio there and we were listening to the draw and I was so, you know, and everybody, we, we, we were wrapped up in that. And of course, once it come out, Derby and Man United, I just jumped up in the air <laughs> because I, I knew that that was it. We were, we were in the final and we were, you know, I was positive that we would take care of Crystal Palace and then it would be like Mickey said uh, after we'd won the, the semi-final we weren't going to Wembley to make up the sides we were going there because we were going to win it Just another question I want to ask you Jim we've had um, some lovely clips of the dressing room at your time at Southampton and I think Mick Shannon's son he put a video on Saints Archive a little while ago. Um, you're sat in the dressing room next to Peter Osgood and Mick Shannon's next to Peter Osgood, I think. Uh, you and Peter are both very quiet, but Mick's ranting and raving his head off at half-time. And then you can hear, suddenly hear Laurie saying, hold on a minute, lads, let me get a word in now, please. So, Jim, what was the, what was the dressing room like at, at Southampton at the time? 
Well, the, this is what I said in, uh, when we were talking earlier on, talking about the Saints today. They, they, they need somebody like that. They need people to discuss things in the dressing room and, and get them aired rather than, you know, leaving the ground and perhaps going for a coffee somewhere and, and, and talking about it there. It's better to talk about it in front of all of the boys and, you know, Laurie wasn't, I don't think Laurie's particularly bothered, but Mick was an international, his opinion was very much valued, like most of the other guys, there was quite a lot of them in there that would give an opinion, i.e. Mel Blythe or Jim Steele, and, and of course, Ozzy would give his opinion, and, and we always had the, the experience of, of Huey Fisher, because Huey was, generally speaking, Huey would be the so in between he'd be the buffer and keep everybody a bit calm but uh, no that was great I mean Mick is Mick he was a wonderful footballer he's a wonderful man and uh, yeah that's the way a dressing room should be everybody out in the open no behind backs and, and talk in front of each other Jim, it's Ben here. I host the podcast. So first things first, it's uh, an absolute pleasure to speak to you. And I've been listening away there very intently. Um, I had three questions, actually. So my, my first one was just, uh, I can't believe we've got this far and not spoken about the goal yet. So um, I wanted you to tell us about your pass to Bobby. I mean, Bobby got all the credit for the goal, didn't he, Jim? But it was your pass. Yeah, it was um, it was situations that we that we'd worked on at the uh, on the training field, and, and we talked about before the game actually about the the balls up to to Aussie and and Aussie to lay it back, and then trying to set Mickey and and set Bobby free, Bobby Stokes. But as it turned round this time, when he kicked it, he turned our goalkeeper. It, it was Mickey that actually laid the ball off. But as, if you watch the film, you can see me as he lays it off. I know the ball's there. It's not running away from me. It's in a nice position. And all I'm doing then is what a good inside forward or a good midfield player would do is look and weigh up your options. And I could hear Bobby in the inside left channel shouting, Jimmy Mack. And I just lifted it into that area um, for Bobby. But as you, you'll see, when the ball lands, the ball actually lifts up a bit. And that is because I've, I've not only lifted it in there, I've lifted it in with a little bit of spin underneath the ball so that when it hit the floor, it wouldn't roll on. It stays there, and Bobby has to come back a wee bit to to hit the ball. 
but but Bobby we knew was a was a really good striker of the ball, both feet. He was a good volleyer of the ball, and me and him used to spend a lot of time in the gym. And and Bobby's hit it perfectly. He's totally caught Alex Stepney off guard. You can see he's off guard because he didn't think Bobby would hit it so quick. And Bobby's caught him beautifully. And uh, that was definitely a skill that Bobby was uh, capable of doing. And it couldn't have happened to a nicer a nicer wee guy. And I still miss him and I miss Ozzy. I know you played in the 1966 FA Cup final for Sheffield Wednesday, didn't you? Uh, you know, to my knowledge, it was your only major honour, Jim. So I'm sure you're very proud of the FA Cup medal. But I guess just 10 years later, how sweet it was to come along and win the final. Yes, it was sweet to um, to come and win it ten years later. But the the, the thing I wanted to get over to um, Nicky Holmes and Paul Gilchrist and the younger guys, i.e. Ian Turner, uh, to uh, a certain extent, Peachy and and that and Bobby Stokes as well was looked. I played in this game ten years ago, and the game went past so quickly. And I was saying to them. Take your time, enjoy it, just soak in the the atmosphere and, and when you go out there, leave it all out on the pitch. It's no good as being back in the dressing room and, and we've still got energy to burn. We need to get rid of it on the pitch, especially the young guys running around for, for myself and for Peter Osgood. I could talk to you for hours, Jim, but one final question before I pass you back to Will then. Um, the memories of um, the bus trip around Southampton, I think that's the other thing. My dad still goes on about it now, 40 years later, the memories of that that bus trip of you guys going through town and it being mobbed. So I just wonder for, for some of us that maybe don't remember it, you know, your memories of that bus trip um, celebrating the win the, the day after in Southampton. Yeah, obviously we, we we took our coach to Eastleigh and we jumped on the the open uh, deck bus there and, and we got on it and uh, the, the memories of, were fantastic. The, the people of Southampton back then, with due respects, were, were quite reserved, but they certainly forgot all about that that weekend and, and they come out in the thousands and, and it was wonderful to see them. Um, you know, supporting this and supporting the, 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 this fabulous little club that had brought a trophy back at last. So it was an amazing weekend. Um, I, I remember the, the chairman when we got up into the into the the city chambers, into the town hall. Uh, the chairman, George Reader, God rest his soul, he yeah. come up to me and I, I, I was sitting down and, and he mentioned to me, he says, I was, I was very pleased with you yesterday, Jim. And I said, oh, why? Why was that, Mr. Chairman? He says, well, you put that article in the paper that you were gunning for Tommy Doherty. He says, I was just a wee bit afraid that you might put two fingers up to him in front of the Royal Box. And I said, Mr. Chairman, there was no need for anything. We won the cup. We don't have any more questions for you, Jim. I, I wish I did because I could let like Ben talk to you probably all evening long about the Saints. What I will say, though, is, is that, and I think I said this for everyone, Leon and Ben, you were part of probably, the, if not the best day of Southampton supporters' lives, our history um, and our great club. Really do thank you uh, for playing your part and and being an absolute professional. And um, thank you for coming on the show today. It's a pleasure for me, and and good luck to everybody. And and of course, good luck to Southampton. I'm I think I'm down there 
and in, in, in a couple of months' time, I'm coming down for for one of the games, and I'm hoping to uh, do another event in Southampton. So if everybody can keep a, a look out for that, we had uh, Matt Letizia doing the last one, and, and Mickey was supposed to do it as well, but unfortunately Mickey wasn't uh, well. He had a bit of sciatica. And Laurie took his place. But look out for it, guys. Um, I'm coming down with a few more legends for you. Thanks for having me, guys. That does it for this week's episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you've enjoyed it. Special thanks for this week's episode goes out to Will Daw of Saints Archive, as well as Leon and Ben Stanfield of the Total Saints podcast. Uh, they are the ones who originally set up the Total Recall segment and uh, proud to be able to have it here on this show now. We will be putting together future episodes of the Total Recall segment. So if you have any players uh, that you would like to hear on, uh, let us know. We'll try and do our best. Um, also, if you don't want to wait for that, there are more episodes that have already been done by the Total Saints podcast, which you can find on the Total Saints podcast feed or over at saintsarchive.com. In addition to being partnered with the Saints Archive, we are also partnered with the Southampton page, who you can find on Twitter at Southampton page and on Instagram at Southampton page one. Follow them for all your Southampton FC news and needs and keep up to date with everything that's going on around the club right now. The logo for the show is done by Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. For all your match day edits, polls, competitions, and more, be sure to check out the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. All music for the show comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games, and the end of show credits that you're listening to right now is Aim is True by Pottington Bear. Thank you very much for listening, and if you are enjoying the show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you uh, want some extra stuff, Head on over to patreon.com forward slash SFC delivery. There you can find additional episodes to the show, a private chat, uh, and, and a little bit extra. So as always, we'll be back next Tuesday with another episode of the show. And until then, remember that together, we march on. <laughs>